You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to Season 2, Episode number 9 of Keeping Up with the Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the beautiful Banff, Alberta, baby. And just like always, joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. What's up, you beautiful bastard? Oh, not too much, brother. How are you doing? Could be better. Could be better. Uh, I'm stuck at home right now. Kind of messed up my little tendon in my uh in my foot so not really doing the best right now a bit of uh uh yeah just just sucks man i'm just kind of laying around had to take a couple days off work was supposed to go snowboarding for three straight days i took an extra day off work to do that and nope i get to sit home and not do a whole lot of stuff right now which is uh kind of lame yeah, that fucking sucks, man. When you told me about what happened, I was just, oh, I felt so bad for you. Have to get some long R and R now. Oh, I know, right? Just yeah, it's been shitty. I'm just trying to do everything I can to get it feeling better. But yeah, uh hasn't been a fun last couple of days, that's for sure. Just you know what? At least I've been able to chill, watch a bit more hockey and a lot more of Netflix and a lot of nothing else, man. Not not much going on. But uh, what's what's up with you? What's new, man? Oh, not a damn thing, really. Just been doing the odd job here and there for work and going to pickup hockey, and that's it. There we go. He's still sniping those genos in uh, pickup. Well, I mean, if it's pickup, so if you don't get one, you should feel bad, right? You should feel like a plug. Correct. Then. I am still scoring. Good. Good. Hopefully it's fucking bar down. Nothing else. We don't shoot low on this podcast. We try not to, but I mean, sometimes shit happens. Yeah. Shit happens. Sometimes we aim high. We don't always get there. No, sometimes you fall a little short and maybe hit a post. That's true. Or you fuck your ankle up. You can't even go either way. Uh, Anyways, dude. We had some record-tying action last week when the Kraken were in L.A. to take on the Kings, and what a fucking hockey game this was. 9-8 victory in overtime? That was just bonkers, bro. Right? Like, remember the first time Seattle scored eight goals? Well, I mean, obviously this would be the first time for nine. But holy shit, what a back-and-forth game. They've just been feeding us goals, and unfortunately in both sides of the net lately. Yeah, no kidding. And, of course, I remember that because it was just a week prior where they scored eight, and they start this week off with nine goals and uh talk about a tough night for the tandies eh? looking like a couple blocks of swiss cheese in the crease in these games here yeah the game at the start and the game at the end of the week were definitely polar opposites on the goaltending spectrum 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, with a nine, eight victory, you know, things happen pretty quickly to get going and just 16 seconds into the game on Kopitar finding the back of the net for the Kings for his fifth of the season. Yeah. Unfortunately, kind of just a little bit of sloppy stick swinging to start the game. there. not what we were looking for. No, but a quick bounce back from the Kraken. Beneers on the power play scores his eighth of the season, assisted by Wenberg and Schultze there. So ties the game right back up. And then just a couple minutes after that, Jared McCann finding the back of the net with a nice uh, little tip-in shot there uh, with his ninth goal of the year. Yeah, McCann and Eberle are starting to show a good bit of chemistry together. Kind of, you know, you hear the NHL coaches talk quite a bit when they make their lines. You get two pairs that work or two duos that work well together, and then you kind of just plug a third guy in, right? Well, it looks like this might be a duo. It's looking that way, certainly. I mean, the last week and a half, couple weeks here, we've seen a, a resurgence from Jordan Eberle and McCann, obviously, back to his scoring ways, who had a bit of a slower start to start the year, but up to nine goals already. Um, you know, he's on a good pace this year to break his career high once again. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be something great to see all the offense coming from the forwards and everyone they brought in, like Burakovsky for one hint, hint, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Burakovsky. Uh, why does he score goals in this game? He might. Score Honestly, goals. Who didn't score goals? Because Victor Arvidsson scored a power play goal to tie the game up. And it was that's the fourth goal of the hockey game. And we were just nine minutes and 16 seconds into it, Durham. Right at this pace, I thought if I turn the channel, I'm going to miss three goals. Just going to the bathroom. And you would have, especially in this first period. I mean, that made it 2-2 there. And then back to the power play, the crack and go. And it's Wenberg who's got like a nice little tip in shot there from the side of the net. And he's pots his fifth goal of the season in. And just like that, Schultze with three assists in the first period. Yeah, I think it was only the second time in Kraken history that a defenseman got three assists, let alone in a game. And he did it all in the first period. So that's pretty impressive. Impressive stuff for sure. And, uh, you know, we wish the scoring would ended there in the first period, but no, it was uh, the LA Kings to the power play and Gabe Velarde with his 12th goal of the season ties the game up at three apiece, just over a minute left to play. Yeah, that's unfortunate way to end the first period there, but they're going to come out just fucking flying in the second period. This team's four checking has been fantastic lately. And it's going to be McCann here. Who's going to cause a turnover. Eberly's going to pick it up and just quick out front to Beneers. And he's going to have his ninth of the year now. Yeah. Nine goals for Beneers. Obviously that's leading all rookie scoring for goals and not only goals, but points. God damn it. Matty Beneers has been such a stud this season. He's definitely been the brightest spot of the bright spots in Seattle. Yeah, 100%. How can't he be? And uh, you know what? Carl Grunstrom's going to get into the action for LA and tie the game up just another minute and a half later, minute 15 later, uh, and that would make it 4-4. And the scoring was not even close to be doing uh, being over anytime soon in this one. We're not even halfway there if you want to bring math into it. That's messed up, but what isn't messed up is Jared McCann, who would have scored his 10th goal to put him up 5-4, and the seesaw battle just continued. Yeah, a bit of a questionable pass there from Larson, eh, when he's got the puck just wound up in the middle and then makes like a four-foot disher over. But, I mean, it yeah. worked, so... It did, and it was a nice little like extension there uh, of a shot to kind of lean into it because it wasn't exactly in the sweet spot for McCann, but he's able to um, kind of extend into that one and and, and uh, get some elevation on that puck and pot his 10th goal. So just like that, man, cracking her up. And then guess what happened? And then just like that, we've got a tough turnover down low in the D zone, and Adrian Kempe is going to bury this one for his eighth of the year, and LA's fifth of the game, and we're all tied up again. Tied up again, which means somebody's got to take the lead, and just like that, Daniel Sprong, baby, 6-5, a nice little wrist shot from him, from him there to put it up. And then right after that, uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand, 
again pots another goal his third of the season unassisted there was that off a little turnover too that was off a terrible turnover by Gabe Velarde. Just a nice little five-foot pizza to the middle, right on the cape. Bjorkstrand picks it up with a full head of steam. That was just, oh, you'd hate that if you're an LA King fan, but Seattle fans, we loved it. Oh, yeah, we loved it. Nice to see Bjorkstrand stay alive with, uh, with his goals lately. And uh, that was the 12th goal of this hockey game. We were 10 seconds from hitting halfway point in the game when Bjorkstrand scored that goal. So 12 goals halfway through the game. Pretty insane stuff. Wild to think there's another five more. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, Velarde would pop another one in. That was his 13th. That would bring LA between one uh, within one goal there. Uh, but Burakovsky said no, because just with uh, 22 seconds left in the period there, I believe maybe it was about 18 uh, Burakovsky with his eighth of the season. And that would restore that two goal lead heading into the third period. Yeah. Some nice patience there down low from Schwartz before finding Burakovsky and letting the Berkey bullet go. Yeah. Just kind of playing it behind the net there, be, staying or patient, Lindbergh, waiting. Sorry. Yeah. Waiting for something to kind of open up and that's what happened. And then Burakovsky um, was just kind of steps in and just waits and finds another hole. And like we said, the, the goalie net there, Cal Pedersen. Is it Pedersen or Peterson? I always mess it I up. I think it's Peterson. Peterson. Well, he was looking like a brick of Swiss cheese on that play again. Just uh, nothing but holes in his game in this one. But, uh, that you know, the Kraken would take that two-goal lead into the third period, Dur. Yeah, unfortunately, they wouldn't be able to keep it as they're going to go D to D here. L.A. is after they poke it up to Matt Waugh. He goes D to D and Sean Dursey's going to let a one-timer fly top shelf. Yeah, that was a pretty nice shot from uh, Sean Dursey there. That'd bring him within one. And then uh, not too long after that, just a couple minutes later, uh, Mikey Anderson with his first goal of the season on a shot there assisted by Kempe and Doughty. Uh, it was a nice little slap shot, but that would tie the game at eight. And crazy enough to think that a game like this, with this much scoring, the Kraken didn't get a single goal in the final frame. Yeah, I couldn't believe that, right? Like, you got eight in the first 40, and you don't get any in the last 20? Yeah, pretty wild stuff. Um, but this one would go to overtime, uh, and the shootout in the game would continue it wouldn't go to a shootout but uh what would happen here in ot der well the kraken are going to get a power play here and they're going to take full advantage of the four on three situation where everyone's not entirely sure what's going on and burakovsky's going to get the puck take that extra half pump and just rip it past peterson for what might have been cal's last nhl game he got put on waivers and sent down to the a after that yeah, probably just about 23 minutes after the game, I think they announced that they just sent him down right away. They couldn't believe what they just witnessed. That's pretty tough for a guy who's got like five mil left on a, for a couple more years to uh, get sent down after a game like that. And that's going to be tough for not just the LA fans, but the organization too, because just a few years ago, he took Mike or John nothing Quick's job. Like they thought for sure we got yeah. our goalie for the future. 100% and Johnny Quick's been there and staying strong you know he had a couple of years of some hard struggles bad numbers but he's bouncing back for a guy who's like 35 years old but anyway Durham 9 to 8 victory for the Kraken in this one what a hell of a game to be able to watch a game where the coaches aren't going to be too too happy about it but the fans certainly got their money's worth in this one and at the end of the day the Kraken fans of course got their money's worth and uh, that was a big, big victory, 9-8, man. Yeah, those are my favorite kind of games to watch where it's just a complete shootout. Complete shootout. Uh, just the four power play opportunities for the Kraken, and they converted on three of them, just shooting lights out in this one. Uh, not much else to say. Like It was just wild. I, c- I could, kind of couldn't believe what we were watching uh, when we were watching this game. It was just one of those games where you were kind of stunned as the goals just kept coming and coming and coming yeah you thought you were safe to look away for a second maybe you don't know, get up grab another beer and all of a sudden 
goal. Oh, shit. What I miss? Yeah, dude. You missed goals in this one if you got up from the couch watching that game. But nonetheless, they keep the streak alive as well. And a couple other uh, Kraken players keep their point streaks alive heading into the next one, which was a game against Washington. And we would see Grubauer in net. And I don't think that shocks anyone after Jones was in the entire game against LA, letting in eight goals on 35 shots. Yeah, as soon as they didn't pull him, once he was letting in a few, it's like, okay, they've obviously got a plan. This is his game. Grubauer gets the next one. Like, it's kind of, that's the very backup goalie thing to happen, where if it's your game, hey, I don't care if you're getting your ass kicked. It's your game. Yeah, especially once you've seen uh, Peterson get pulled, right? And, And then I think at some point they, LA scored their sixth goal, and you don't see Jones getting pulled. You were just like, okay, they're leaving him in for this one. He, he's he got to battle it out. Yeah, I don't – like, it's definitely a conversation I assume the coach and the goaltender would have because Marc-Andre Fleury is a guy who never really gets pulled either. It's Unless it's like, hey, we need this and you're, it's not your night. Like, mm-hmm. in the playoffs there, otherwise they just kind of let him battle it out and earn it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyways, going going into this one, what we talk about with uh, Washington, how we faced them this week at home, and then the next week it's going to be in their barn. It was important to pick up the victory at you know in our barn in this one, and they come away with a nice three two victory in this one, and another one in OT, baby. Yeah, another one with a comeback from O two, and the boys keep the point streaks going too. Especially like you know maybe a little bit of a spoiler here, but uh, Burakovsky and Beniers, good to see them just keep firing. Yeah, keep firing, keep uh, putting points up on the board. They're leading the team in that regard. So, uh, bit of a shaky start in this one though for the Kraken, giving up uh, a big slap shot goal from Fahivari. Uh, Fe- uh, I. I'm not, say, Fevari, I'm not good at saying that fucking last name total butcher job right there and it was a nice play by jared mccann to kind of take away that time and space from Ovi, who was um obviously going to be the receiver of that play on that goal and you know he takes away his shot but the puck kind of finds its way to the point and Fevari, you know steps into one and blasts one past Gruby there yeah, like you said, that was a great read from McCann. Steps up and takes away, obviously, the greatest goal scorer in the league, possibly history. Ovechkin's big one-timer. That's one you can't let him have. And just an unfortunate circumstance that Fehrbari there gets the puck right there and just walks into it low glove. Yeah, exactly. And then they get into a little bit of penalty trouble, too, in that first period. And a nice little passing play between Ovi and Johansson finds Connor Sheary out front. And he's got a pretty easy one to put away and already has eight on the year for Connor Sheary. Not bad for the guy. Yeah, pretty good for you know someone who I thought his career might have been over when he went to Buffalo there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I thought, too. He kind of started to fade away. Um, but no, good for him. But uh, the the Kraken would bounce back in the second period in this one and starting starting things off, you know, just over halfway through the period with a nice power play goal themselves and uh, Jaden Schwartz getting the Kraken on the board. Yeah, Dunn and Berkey are going to play pitch and catch up at the top there, and then Dunn's just going to send one to the net. It's unfortunately going to miss, or fortunately, I guess, if they want to finish, want to look at the way the play finished here gonna hit the end wall and rebound out and schwartz he's gonna spin off his man and just slam it into the back of the net yeah eighth of the year for schwartz after you know a tough year last year he seemed to be back to you know his old self and looking a lot healthier and uh, more productive this year and the kraken uh you know just looking way better as the game went on it was a slow, slow game, especially the first two periods. It was a much big, like defensive battle style game in this one. Yeah, I think there was only nine shots on net total between the two teams in the first period. And I mean, frick, like I thought for sure watching the game, the Kraken were going to be down two one or tied two two at the end of the first. They just looked all over them. So to see them get a bit of life and get that one in the second period was nice to see, you know feel good about their chances going into the third. 
Yeah, it was uh, 14 shots for the Kraken after two and 11 shots for for um, the Capitals after two periods. Wasn't a whole lot going up, but things kind of started to open up in that third period. Yeah, and then in the third there, we're going to get a late, you know, late game heroics for the boys. Tying the Big game. Big Gordy with the rebounder there. Nice play by Daniel Sprong to take that puck right off the wall there and kind of drive the net with it, throw something on net. And then Yanni Gord with the big goal too to uh, tie the game up with just two and a half minutes left to play. Yeah, that was fantastic. It's just a whole play around, like collecting the loose puck and like you said, immediately tacking in the net with it and then getting the backhand shot off and Gordy just being ready right in the crease, stick on the ice. Good. Oh, yeah, great play there, sending it to overtime, and it didn't take long in OT before we seen some more heroics, and who else but Maddie Beneers. Big face-off play there where Beneers and Burakovsky kind of jump forward. Burakovsky whacks a puck that's kind of out of midair as John Carlson's trying to catch it or whatever. Ends up kind of, you know, hitting it down past it you know, just past his feet and he ties him up a bit. And Beneers is able to just slither through, create a nice little breakaway for him and just puts the flex to the twig and snaps it home for his 10th of the year, giving him double digits first time in his career. And like you said, that would extend his point streak and Burakovsky's point streak on the play. What a way to end it. Yeah, five-game point streak for Burakovsky, six-game point streak for Veneers, and seven seconds in OT for seven straight wins, baby. You gotta love it. Yeah, and another big victory for Philip Grubauer as well um, that he definitely earned. There wasn't a whole lot of shots, but uh, there was one big save he made near the end of that second period there on a two-on-one where he came across, stoned one of the Capitals players, and then just played... That was nasty. yeah, I know. Stoned him so hard there. So just a really, really well uh, put together game. Uh, well-rounded game by Philip Grubauer there. And then some late game heroics from Yandy Gord plus Matty Beneers to end it. So a uh, great overall game to pick up two points from the Kraken in this one. Another one going OT too. So that's seven overtime games on the year for the Kraken now, right? The yeah. record's four and three. They've lost their first three OT games and since then have won four straight. Yeah, that's huge. Obviously, that makes a big difference in the standings, especially when you're when you're looking up, trying to chase that first place in the Pacific Division, those gold knights, which they've been doing a hell of a time, uh, you know, climbing up and getting really, really close to them, Durham. Yeah, every win we can get and get the extra point gets us closer to first place and then having good home ice advantage against a wild card team, which is probably what we want. You know, we don't want to have to play Edmonton in the first round there. I don't think. No, you, you never know with a team like that. Cause uh, you know, obviously the best player in the world can carry a team uh, to a victory, especially if it's just the first round. Right. Well, unfortunately, even looking at uh, who the wild cards are after I just opened my big fat mouth, the first wild card who they would, Actually, if they passed Vegas, they'd play the second wild card. I don't know if that's any better because right now the first is Edmonton and the second's Colorado. Yeah, Colorado now having the best start. They have tons of injuries that they've been uh, pushing through. Plus, I think they're one of those teams who haven't played as many games, especially with the cancellation of their game against Nashville, too. I think that one's a tough one. It puts them probably one of the last teams to play the least amount of games so far. Them and Arizona are tied with 22 games. Mm, thought so. See, on top of that shit, Durham. You're fucking on it, baby. Let's go, baby. Um, That wasn't the only two games or the Kraken would play. They would also have a third game this week and a game where we thought we would have a better chance than the outcome gave us, Durham. Uh, a 5-1 loss against uh, the Florida Panthers. Not the best game for the Kraken here. But, you know, it's okay to take a turd, a nice big turd dump every once in a while. Yeah, and especially, I think they took both games against Florida last year, so you had to know the Panthers would would be ready for one, right? Yep, fair enough. And this was a game where they were without uh, their sophomore centerman, Anton Lundell, and not only him, but like we talked about last pod, 
uh, you know, their superstar player uh, centerman there, Barkoff. So this was a game where they probably had an opportunity, but let's face it, Spencer Knight was absolutely on top of his game in this one. Oh, man, he was phenomenal. Like, it feels shitty as a Seattle fan to say this, but he was so fun to watch that game. Like, it sucks they lost, but at the end of the night, you're like, fuck, Knight played fantastic. Yeah, he put on a hell of a performance and just one of those games where, yeah, you just couldn't find ways to beat him. Uh, you know, they they got away with one, but it was a bit of a lucky rebounder from a nice play from McCann um, to drive the net hard. But other than that, they just couldn't find anything. And I think the thing that really turned was right in that first period, right? Um, you know, Verhage opens the scoring on a play where uh, Mark Stahl kind of drives Grubauer, you know, Grubauer's sliding across to make a save, um, ends up getting passed over, but Mark Stahl kind of drives in there, makes quite a bit of contact with him, and then Verhage's left with this wide open net. What did you think of this one, Durham? Because there's a lot of controversy on the way it was called. Yeah, I like I could totally see how it would be goaltender interference because they fucking full-blown ran into each other, right? But at the same time, like, when the play initially happened and the pass comes across to stall, he's taking a route that's not going to run him into Grubauer, but it's Grubauer that slides out trying to challenge that first shot and then loses his balance and slides out even more into stall's route. So that's where I kind of understand why it would be no goalie interference as a skater. Like I'd be pissed if they took a goal away from us for that. Cause then what are you supposed to do? Like, there's nothing you can do really to avoid contact in that situation. And that's the whole wording of the rule is you have to be able to avoid or try to avoid contact. And I think Stahl did. So. Yeah, I look, he certainly looked like he tried to, obviously there's still a lot of contact on the play. Uh, it looked like that left skate of his kind of, you know, kind of drove into him a bit, but um, that's a tough one to call, man. And you definitely cannot blame the coaching staff for, calling a coach's challenge on that play i certainly would have but unfortunately the kraken lost the call on that and they would you know put themselves shorthanded and guess who carter verhage once again makes them pay scoring his 14th goal on that same power play that would put the florida up to nothing in the game and uh, kind of a bit deflating yeah two goals in 26 seconds and where one of them you think like you're probably 60% confident is going to get called back and doesn't that kills you. Cause now like 30 seconds ago in game time, I'm sure it's been about seven or eight minutes now in real time, but it was zero zero. And now you got to climb out of a two hole deficit, two goal deficit like that fucking sucks. Yeah, that's a tough one. And like we said, there'd be a bit of life uh, getting brought back to the Kraken when, you know, McCann's, able to drive the net hard on that Jordan Everly shot and finds the rebound that's, you know, sneaks out of Spencer Knight and pops in the 11th to make it a two, one game. But then, you know, shortly after just, you know, taking those penalties kind of deflated the crack in putting Florida up on the power play and a shot from Ekblad from the point is able to deflect, take a couple deflections, one would end up ultimately off the skate of Matthew Kachuk and in the back of the net and another kind of one that's deflating too uh, for the Kraken. Well, that's two games out of three this week where their penalty kill allows two goals or more. So that right there, like you're lucky you win one of those two games, right? The 9-8 shootout there, but you can't have that happen this often, like two-thirds of the time and expect to have continued success. Yeah, penalty kills gotta get their shit figured out. It's gotta tighten up heading forward. And in the third period, again, Happy Niemi with his first of the season, uh, that would put Florida up four-one. And then Gustav Forsling with a big slap shot goal again, once again on the power play, and that would make it five-one. And and that would be the final score of this one. Yeah, and unfortunately, like uh, you said, with only McCann and Everly being involved in the one goal there. Every point streak that was going for the boys died. Yeah, unfortunate, but hey, one streak ends, 
another streak can uh, happen. So that's what we're going to look forward to this upcoming week here. Um, and a bit of a revenge week in a sense, especially after this performance, because uh, they will be facing off against those Florida Panthers once again. But Durham, before that, they're going to be facing off against the Montreal Canadiens for the first time this season. And that'll happen tomorrow night, Tuesday, December 6th. And the first matchup we see against uh, Slavkovsky here. Yeah, it's going to be neat to see, you know, how uh, he does against the Kraken here, especially with them playing in Vancouver the night before. I think, you know, you know catching them on the back-to-back there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's a that's a, an important thing to point out is that you're catching them on the the tail end of a back to back, and Montreal's not exactly the bad team that we thought we would be seeing this year. No, they're definitely doing better than even I expected. Like I think I was talking to you at the start of the year, looking at some preseason bets, and Montreal and Chicago were tied for the second worst or second best odds for the worst record at like plus 300 and I thought fuck someone should probably jump all over that and then here they are just shoving it up my hoop like they're five and five in their last 10 and you know they're not bottom five team in the league yeah they're not doing as bad as expected um one way we could definitely take advantage of this team is uh you know hopefully our penalty kill which is now ranked back to 30th that was uh you know, kind of back where we started at the start of the year when we were letting in those power play goals. Um, Montreal's power play is only ranked 29th at 17.8%. So maybe you could try to build some confidence again back on your penalty kill by being able to shut down a team like Montreal. But if they're not able to do that, then it's not going to look good. Yeah, like you said, that's a great point. Like that's a perfect opportunity to refine some tactics on your penalty kill against a shitty power play like the Habs have going here. See if you can get a good confidence boosting game for that squad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is a team where they give up a ton of goals. I mean, they're 23rd in the league for goals against, and the Kraken sit fifth in the league for goals for. So uh, this is one where you're going to be able to break down maybe a defense that isn't as strong. I mean, you take a look at some of the names back there. You know, it's not too, too strong for Montreal this year. So that's where you're going to be able to take advantage of them. Surprisingly enough, though, Montreal's penalty kill is sitting 11th best in the league right now. But... You know, that Kraken power play, baby, it's still on fire and shooting at 26% right now. So uh, those are some key factors that are going to be involved in this one. It's funny when you see, like, I find it funny, I guess. I shouldn't say it is funny, but I find it funny when you see former players in coaching positions and the complete opposite of what they truly excel at is doing so well for their team. Like, what I'm joking about here is, St. Louis was such a good offensive and power play guy. And it's his team's penalty kill that is sick. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how that works. Right. Always kind of makes me laugh and wonder if it's like, okay, well the old, those that can't do teach. Well, like I can't tell you how to do this, but I can show you what I want to do so you can stop it. Yeah. You're, you're, you're getting uh, pretty complicated here. You're going to lose me in a second. I lost myself already. <laughs> All jokes aside, how about Sean Monahan? Let's give him a bit of a shout out because he's having a nice little bounce back here uh, for a guy who's uh, been injured a ton in his career and uh, kind of looked like it was coming to an end for the guy pretty soon. But 16 points in 24 games so far, that's not too bad for a guy who you know, used to be up near that 60, 70 point threshold in his best seasons. Okay. If I told you the over under for Monahan points going into this season was 29.5, what would you have taken? I probably would have took the under bro. And he's like, he's over halfway there. I know that's pretty wild. Good for him. Yeah, no, good for him for sure. It's always good to see guys having those bounce back seasons. So, um, yeah, good for him for a guy who has scored 30 goals plus three different times in his career, had a few uh, 20 plus goal seasons, like four of them as well. So that's a guy who knows how to score and just good to see him having a bit of a bounce back. 
Another guy you like to see having a bounce back also on the Canadians is Kirby Doc. You remember him breaking his wrist when he was loaned from Chicago to the World Juniors, missed the entire tournament, came back, didn't really do that great afterwards, and then got you know kicked out of Chicago. His 18 points would be third on that team right now. Wow, yeah, that's pretty good. And Kirby Doc's still a very young guy with a lot of upside to his game still, uh, especially with his size down the middle, right? That's a 6'4", 215, 20-plus guy pound guy or so i mean he's got tons of potential and he's got great hands and great hockey iq he's a decent skater for a guy his size too so still a lot of upside to to his game and kirby doc and and they paid a not too bad of a price to get him well i remember when the draft was going on and you and i were watching and talking and when slavkovsky went and we were like fuck i wonder like what's going on like everyone's talking about montreal get their big center like I don't understand. They're number one, big number, great, fantastic center. It's what they've been lacking down the middle since Koivu. And then about 40 minutes later, they announced the trade for Kirby Doc. And we're like, okay, we get it. We understand why they passed on right and took the gigantic winger. Yeah, yeah. They had a plan in place. That was obviously their plan. So um, either way, this is going to be a game that's going to be uh, definitely winnable for the Kraken. And it, it, uh, it's the last game of three at home for them. So a small little homestand and it'd be a good way to bounce back after a tough victory to pick up that home win before hitting the road for four games four games starting against washington who we said we just played what is it going to take to find success in this one well probably just as much resilience as you had in the last game and honestly you could probably just do what you did the last 60 they were all over them in the first they came back they shut it down after that got the two goals and finish it off in overtime. So maybe just a little bit more completeness, cl- tighten it up the D zone there. But I mean, honestly, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. I think what we talked about last pod was winning the special teams battle. And you take a look at that game. Uh, both teams had a power play goal and the game went to overtime. Uh, you know, and then we seen some late, some heroics from Matty Beneers there to win it just seven seconds in. So I'm sticking with that same thing as a, a team like the Capitals with Ovi on there. You just cannot be giving them that many opportunities to score, especially with the way our, our penalty kill has struggled. You got to try to win that uh, special teams on the road against the Washington Capitals Friday, December 9th. Yeah, and specialty teams is going to be definitely what plays into the next game as well, playing at Florida a couple nights later on December 11th there. Yeah, 100%. And this is a big response game for the Kraken, right, as they look to try to catch the Panthers on a back-to-back. Again, they have this nice opportunity where uh, they play the Lightning the night before, so you're going to be able to you know, have that extra rest against the Florida team who just took it to you pretty hard in your own barn. Yeah, and honestly, after the way that game went against Knight, you're probably hoping he gets the start against Tampa. Yeah, you're you're definitely hoping that, uh, you know, there's a good chance we could probably see Knight starting against uh, Tampa. We'll see, though. These are, I mean, these are two top teams now in the NHL. So you got to pick and choose who you think you're going to get the the points against, right? Do you play your your best goalie in Spencer Knight against uh, Tampa or do you play your best goalie against the team you just had a lot of success against in the Kraken so there's I think there might be a good chance we see Spencer Knight against the Kraken I do think you've got a good point with having to pick who you're going to get your points against but at the same time Tampa's a team you're chasing and you're three points behind so if there's a game out of those two that you need to win it's the Tampa game you lose that game you that's some big separation there. So I don't know if you'd want to play your backup against them. And That's a great point. I mean, right now, Bobrovsky's four, six and one with a 3.84 goals against and an eight seventy eight save percentage Durham versus Spencer Knight. Who's eight, three and three with a 2.49 goals against and a nine twenty three save percentage plus a shutout in the books. So, um, you know, obviously Spencer Knight's your guy right now. Yeah, I think I think he's going to play 
Saturday, and then Bobrovsky plays against Seattle. Yeah, could could certainly uh, see that for sure. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, Matthew Kachuk, seven points in his last five games. He's been their best player as of late. So that's a guy you definitely have to find a way to shut down if you're going to find success as well. And just find ways. Maybe, you know, if you're facing off against Spencer Knight, who knows who they're going to be facing. But let's make it a little bit tougher for these goalies. Uh, you know, let's kind of get into that crease a bit more and maybe try to look for a couple of these greasy goals if they are struggling uh, to score, especially if they don't have anything up on the board after the first 20. I like that. Let's get a little dirty. Let's fucking grind it out and tighten up defensively, baby, because they uh, need to tighten up that PK and, and start making things happen there. Uh, we haven't really seen great things from that PK. So uh, let's see if they could do that. If they do that, we'll find some more success and continue climbing up those NHL rankings because it is filthy how good the, the Kraken have been this season, Durham. Well, they're fucking fifth in the league right now, baby. I know. Fifth in the goddamn league. They got 33 points through 24 games right now. 15 wins, six losses, three in overtime. Uh, just outstanding stuff from the Seattle Kraken, man. It's it's just, uh, just so fun to see. And two games in hand on the Vegas Golden Knights right now. Uh, if they win those two games in hand, that ties them for points. So they're right there able to snatch that first place in the division. Yeah, honestly, they've been playing just fantastic hockey other than the Florida game. You can argue the big blowout goal-scoring games if you're more of a defensive first guy, and I guess we are kind of preaching defense right now. But goals win games, damn it. Goals do win games, and uh, that's something that the Kraken haven't been afraid of doing is scoring goals as of late. So let's keep those goals coming, baby. Fucking right. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do just that. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. All right, welcome back, Kraken fans. And Durham, you got a little stat of the week to announce, don't you? Well, yes, I do. And for stat of the week this week, we're going out of the house. We're going across the coast to the Tampa Bay Lightning for Steven Stamkos, who got his 1,000th point this week. And he's the first bolt to ever hit that mark. So congrats there. But this week's stat is just how many franchise records he holds for the Lightning. Six. He is the franchise leader in goals, points, even strength goals, power play goals, game-winning goals, and hat tricks. Stamkos fucks, and he scores. <laughs> and he likes ketchup chips. Oh, yeah, there was that, too. Could not yeah. find them in Tampa Bay. <laughs> that might be the most impressive uh, stat of them all. He just gets them shipped out from Canada. What a beauty. He's only 32 years old, Durham. So uh, to have all those categories already for that franchise, pretty damn impressive. But not just that, but the blood clot injury and broken leg too. Like he could have been at these marks long ago. It's unfortunate he didn't get a shot at that uh 2014 olympics especially after what happened in 2018 the fact that there weren't any players at that one either um yeah this that guy could have been uh having a lot more points on the board oh he could have just been like i mean he's making nine and a half so he's not hurting but he could have been making bank yeah nine and a half ain't too bad right i mean he's probably doing okay i, I doubt he has to ask people for money 
Yeah, and I remember what was it like his? I remember his rookie year actually. Seen Stamkos. <laughs> Seen Stamkos. Yeah, that. Well, that's a whole other story. But oh. uh, I remember that first half of the year, people were just bashing him like, "Oh, this guy isn't a player. Like he's not doing anything." Took off in the second half of his rookie year, and then the next season puts up ninety five points. For 51 goals as well. So he, uh, you know, didn't take long to really come into his own in the league and followed it up with a couple more 90 plus point seasons. One of those being a 60 goal season in 2011, 2012. So we've seen a lot of impressive stuff from Steven Stamkos. And then after that 60 goal season, he predicted the next 60 goal score too. So that's pretty fucking impressive. That is too. And that season he put up 60 was the least amount of power play goals he had since his rookie year. And that was his fourth year in the league. So uh, he was scoring a lot of even strength goals that year. I did not know that. That is impressive. 48 even strength, by the way. Could you imagine scoring 50 even strength goals? I mean, like, yeah, it was an all right year. Yeah, I struggled on the power play. (laughs) Oh, how many goals did you score? Like on the power play? No, 60. Yeah, that's just wild. I mean, to put it into perspective, 48 uh, games the, the, the next season in 2013, obviously being that shortened season, he had 10 power play goals in that year. Fucking hell. I know, pretty wild stuff. Um, but it's great to see him back, uh, you know, huge year last year, 106 points. That actually was his career best, Durham. Yeah, I couldn't believe it took so long. Like everyone being, oh, yeah, Stamkos has 100 point seasons. And I was like, no, he doesn't. Yeah, now he does. First. Now he does. Pretty impressive stuff. All right. What do we got next? We're tossing you in the deep end, baby. Oh, here we go, Durham. What do you got for me? Numero uno. Target is Vince Dunn. 26-year-old, kind of having a somewhat breakout year this year. RFA this summer. What's the move here, Belzy? Are you going to trade him or keep him long-term? So he's an RFA this summer. Um, That's a tough one because, um, I mean, really, he's your best offensive defenseman. So I think actually right now him and Schultz are tied in points, if I'm not uh, mistaken, Durham. Um, Let me see if I could find this real quick. I'm on it. Vince Dunn, Justin Schultz, um, 24 games apiece, 16 points apiece. Uh, So they're tied for points, which when you're looking at the team right now, um, Burakovsky's first with 25, Eberle's second with 21, Beneers is third with, or sorry, with 22, Beneers is third with 21, and then McCann, Dunn, and Schultz are tied for that fourth spot with 16 apiece. Seven power play points each for the D there, too. Yeah, pretty impressive. Uh, that just shows the depth of the power play of seattle how they have basically a 1a and 1b unit where both these guys can move the puck well and get it done but <laughs> get it done oh shit that was oh shit oh um, shit oh shit it's like a Fer- fergie song about to start here oh shit but uh honestly i'm gonna i'm gonna say that he gets signed i, I don't think it's gonna be longer than four years I was I just going to say, be... if it's four years, five million, how do you yeah. feel about that? I would feel quite all right with it. I know he struggled hard last year, but we're seeing a, a much better, much more confident Vince Dunn. And he's got the ability to play the right side and left side. You don't really see it a whole lot, but he does have that ability. Just 26 years old. You know, he's making four million now, so I don't expect it to be a big raise. Like I can't, this guy's not going to bring in a $6 million contract, but uh, I think it would be smart for them to extend him considering you only have Jamie Alexiak signed to the 2026, 27 season. And let's face it. He's more of a shutdown 
uh, defenseman. He's not going to be a guy you expect to throw it on the power play, put up points. And then they have Adam Larson, who's just signed uh, for what I believe two more seasons after this season. So at, at 4 million as well. So, and then of course, Justin Schultz, who's just signed to one more season after this one. Other than that, they have no other D signed long-term. So unless they have somebody in the off season who they're going to target, who they know they can bring in, I don't know, Eric Carlson, perhaps then yeah. that'd be big. Yeah, then maybe you don't think of signing Vince Dunn and you trade his rights, but I think all uh, signs point to him getting an extension. I just can't see it being longer than four years. I wouldn't be surprised if it's about a three-year deal. All right, all right. So you're going to not sign him long-term, but you're not going to trade him. Yeah, I know. It's one of those iffy ones, but I think that just gives them more flexibility in the future. I would agree. On to the second half of the deep end then. Looking towards the trade deadline here with the Kraken, assuming they're in the same position they are now. Do they wait for the deadline to make a move or do they jump out there early, if any move at all? Eric Carlson. (laughs) The said span has spoken. (laughs) No, man. um, This is an interesting one because... Is it, it's one of those things where you're doing so good, you, as a GM, in my eyes, you kind of want to reward the team with adding some depth, right? That's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Up front, I don't have many issues with anything. I think the bottom six maybe could use one filler, which wouldn't take much. Um, And then as for defensemen, again, Uh, I think you're looking at maybe adding a guy to the third pair, but I don't see anything uh, where you add in uh, a substantial piece to this team. There is some flexibility when it comes to bringing in a guy who maybe already is signed to a deal past this season, Uh, especially with the cap space that's coming off in the off season, you have some deals expiring, right? So um, Vince Dunn is one of those deals. Uh, Carson Soucy is a guy who's interesting, whether they're able to get him signed. Uh, Martin Jones comes off the books. Jonas Donskoy at 3.9 million comes off the books and he's on IR right now. So there's definitely a quite a bit of money that's coming off the books. So it's one of those things where, you know, you hear these names, names getting thrown out a Brock Besser, is that a guy that you take a risk on knowing that you can get him on a cheaper trade value, which is the rumor right now that Vancouver is basically going to have to essentially give him away or trade him for probably half the value that he is right now, which isn't even that high to begin with um, and take on a guy and, and make a risk like that to add to your top six. I don't know if that's what they're looking for. I think maybe if they're going to make a move, it's more of a depth defenseman move. So if they make a move, they're going more for a depth D. I think so. That's kind of the way I see it. I I don't know if there's going to be anything substantial going to be happening. But again, you never know uh, what could happen. Trade deadline. You get the right name out there and and you take a risk. But I, I see this team playing it a bit smarter not trading away their future and continuing to build through these drafts and uh, some of the players that they've already drafted who are going to have a shot these next coming years to come up and and make a name for themselves. So I don't see them trading away much assets. Um, You kind of seen the way that, that uh, costed Vegas in a sense with some of the guys they traded away who they could have, you know, started to build their team around and maybe set them up, uh, for better long-term success right now, Vegas is kind of chasing a dream with short-term success and hoping it works out. Yeah, I could totally agree with you there. I think they're doing the better plan. I I think so too. I don't think they're going to panic to make a move. I think some depth pieces uh, would be intriguing heading into uh, the trade deadline though. 
but I don't see anything in like a top four, top six position forward or D wise where they, they uh, pull the trigger on. But again, we haven't heard a lot of names yet uh, getting put out there. It's still a little bit early. So we'll, we'll see how this thing plays out, but that's just going to be my prediction. How about you? Any thoughts on it? I think you friggin' nailed it. I think they're probably not going to jump on much. I think they're obviously going to look into Brock Besser just because it's such a low price. I mean, how could you not? Especially if you're able to have them eat maybe a oh, 1.5 mil of that contract. I think it's what he's making like six mil for three years. So if you get them at like four and a half for three years, I that's uh, you start talking those prices things get a little bit more intriguing and, and maybe a move for him just really helps revamp Brock Besser. But uh, it's got to be a little bit uh, scary about what you've seen from Brock Besser so far. Yeah. I think the relationship between Vancouver and Besser is broken. So that just needs to get done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's not a whole lot of teams out there who have the flexibility to take on a contract like that. So that opens up a team who does have a bit more flexibility like the Kraken to maybe make a move that makes sense. And especially having flexibility and in a position to compete still. Yeah. It's a guy who had 55 points in 62 games in his rookie season had 56 the year, the next year, and then just 45 and 57 games the next season. And then only played 56 games the next season, had 49 points. And then last year, really struggled with only 46 points in 71 games. So he's on this downward trajectory point per game wise for Vancouver. And to be fair, 15 points in 19 games this year for a guy who um, is getting well, it was supposed to be healthy, scratched and not performing. That's still not too, too bad. Yeah, from what I read, it was more linked to effort. Yeah, uh, which is something that always scares you away. But you throw them into um, what the Seattle Kraken are doing right now. You don't have a lot of guys who uh, aren't putting in the effort on that team. And I feel like that would help drag uh, Brock Besser into the battle each and every night, especially with Yanni Gore just screaming at him from the bench, cheering him on. Yeah, I could totally see that happen, just screaming his little heart out. So I think that's the dark the dark horse play for the crack and would be uh, maybe taking a shot at a guy like Besser. Yeah, just interesting to see where he would slide in with, you know, Bjorkstrand, Burakovsky, Eberle. Yeah, that would be the intriguing play. I mean, they just signed Bjorkstrand, but I feel like he would have to go. Yeah, well, yeah, I could see that. Especially hasn't been that productive lately. Streaky. Maybe maybe that's something where that relationship's broken and you, you do a one-for-one one type of trade. That would be crazy. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, that would kind of come out of left field because those are two guys who are struggling, two goal scorers who are struggling to score goals for their teams right now. Well, shit. A combined seven goals between the the two of them right now? Not not a whole lot. Yeah, no, you definitely hope that each of them has seven. Yeah, yeah, at this point, yeah, at least. Uh, but moving on from the deep end, Durham, um, player of the week, who do you got for us? We're going to drop Jordan Eberle. Five apples in three games this week, and... Four of them came in one game, tying his career best for assists and points in a game. He's previously had one four-assist game in his career in January of 2018 against the Rangers. And also, he's the first Kraken skater to have a four-assist game in franchise history. Yeah, look at that. Stat Durham. Just killing it with the Jordan Ebbs stats, baby. I love it. Go Ebbs. Yeah, I've loved uh, everything that Everly's done for this team this year, and let's give him credit. He's 22 points. He's second on the team. I thought Beneers was second right now, but Jordan Everly just keeps putting points up lately, man. He's having a fucking phenomenal year. He's got the hands back. Looks like he's about seven or eight years younger. Yeah, he's having a fucking phenomenal year, and they only have him signed for next season as well. So this year and next year, and then he becomes another UFA. So... 
that'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with his number. I assume it'll go down if he stays. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he's having a career year, it's hard to go up. But like we said, these guys late in their uh, careers finding, or, you know, I don't know, you want to say too, too late, but definitely on the back end of their career, uh, having these uh, great seasons, right? Stamkos, like we just talked about, fucking in his 30s, setting career highs. So fucking right. I know, fucking right. <laughs> All right, that pretty much wraps things up. I don't know. Do you have anything else uh, on your mind? Chit chat. Uh, just a little Shane Wright checkup. Yeah, baby, let's do it. Just, just a little touch on uh, now that his AHL stints over there. So he had his five games there, right? Had four goals plus two, eleven shots. Two of them goals were on the power play. And then at the end of the five games, he scored one in the shootout too. And then, uh, so he got called up to Seattle, I think it was yesterday. And today it was announced after practice, he's going to be playing tomorrow against Montreal. Yeah. So that is huge news for Shane Wright. And like you said too, uh, he's only at seven games so far. So he still has those uh, two two more games to play before it burns the, the first year of his deal, correct? Yep. Yeah, once he so, skates in his 10th game, then it burns the first year. There you go. So he's got two more games, and great to hear that he's going to be in the lineup in Montreal. And let's hope that it's uh, maybe he gets slotted out on that third line because I think it'd be a waste to pop him back on that fourth line. Yeah, you got to get him, like, Give him some good time. Give him 12, 13 minutes again. Yeah, I mean, and you could still put him with some guys, you know, you maybe you slide Yanni Gord down um, and you play him between Bjorkstrand and Tanev or maybe you you you, uh, you do some kind of combination of Donato and Daniel Sprong and you do take out Geeky and keep that third line. But at least maybe add in the uh, the extra time on ice. Pop them into that ten to twelve minute range. Something something around there for sure. At least. Exactly. Give him some fucking reps against NHLers and let it see how he does. And maybe give him some power play time on that second unit. That's what I would like to see as well. Yeah, give him a few shots there. Yeah, so that's kind of where I see. I just can't see them breaking up the Burakovsky-Wenberg-Schwartz line. That's been too good. And the eberly uh, Beniers mccann line, I think that's been too good as well. So the one play is maybe maybe if you try to move him to the wing, you could try to do that on that second line and, and move Tanev down to the fourth, move McCann down to the third. But McCann's starting to shoot and score goals lately. I don't know if you want to mess with that. Right. They got good chemistry between Eberly and McCann. So I think I'd just leave that alone. And Beneers fills in nice there. Yeah, exactly. So that's a tough one to play with. So um, I think chances are we're probably going to see him on that fourth line. Um, but, you know, anything's possible. Maybe you're able to slide Yanni Gore to the wing, throw, throw right in the middle on that third line and move Tanev down. And then uh, that kind of gives you some options as well. And then you have a line of Yanni Gord, um, Oliver Bjorkstrand, and Shane Wright. That's not too bad. Right? I'd be fine with that. Right? <laughs> Ooh. Seriously. So so that's exciting. That's big news uh, to hear that Shane Wright's going to be back in the lineup right away, especially with how good he, he performed, right? I mean, he put up four goals in five games. Like you said, he had the two power play goals. So give him a shot on that power play unit. Uh, 11 shots, which isn't too, too bad. He's a plus two player. Plus he's scoring the shootout. You know, he looked like, sounds like he got uh, some of his confidence back, which is great. And, you know, I think the team Canada world junior roster is going to be announced what later on today. So we'll find out if he's a part of that for sure. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. I don't know if he'll be listed on the camp roster because I think they can just, I don't think they'll list him and then Seattle can just send him to it. Yeah, I think he has to kind of have that happen first, right? Uh, you don't have to be named to the camp roster to be sent okay, by okay. your NHL team. 
Fair enough. Um, yeah, I was just checking on Twitter real quickly just to see if I've been had on it. There's up. nothing there. The USA's <laughs> is out, but not Canada's. Uh, anything interesting on that States one? Not really. No Pat Sujav, no Voight, but whatever. The States are going to be loaded up front. No Passajov. Yeah, that's a little weird. That is definitely. Um, yeah, weird enough because he's uh, he's doing pretty good in OHL. So uh, either way, that's their decision, right? Yep, if they're okay. worse, better for us. Canada's tournament to lose. Should be. <laughs> All righty. I think that fucking wraps up episode number nine thanks everybody for tuning in make sure to rate the episode five stars if you've enjoyed it stay tuned for the next episode when we get to find out uh how shane wright's doing in these games and see if the kraken are able to get a nice little revenge victory against the panthers baby thank you durham for joining once again and let's get the puck out of here durham cheers everybody and peace